Let's begin with a word of prayer. Spirit of the living God, we pray that you would fall afresh on us this morning. Lord, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would do your gracious work again. We pray that you would set the Lord Jesus before our eyes so that we can see him in all of his beauty and in all of his glory. And we pray, precious Spirit, that you would also lead us to our Heavenly Father and teach us how loving he is and how willing he is to receive us as his children. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to be looking at two parables. For the past three weeks, we've been looking at the parables of Jesus. And just by way of reminder, a parable is a short, pithy little story based upon everyday life that Jesus uses to tell us something profound about reality. And parables, telling these little stories, is one of was one of Jesus' favorite ways to communicate. And so for the third week in a row, we're going to be looking at parables, um, but then we won't look at them again for a while. And so this will be our parable fill for the uh, the next little while. Um, Having said that, I'd like to begin by asking you a question. I wonder if you have ever been in a situation, whether it's, you know, getting a new job or becoming part of a new group of people and you've desperately wanted to be shown the ropes. You've desperately wanted someone to show you the tricks of the trade, sometimes we say. You're in a new situation, you're not quite sure how the institution works or you're not quite sure how the job has to unfold and so you just really want somebody to show you the ropes. You really want someone to show you how things are done, what the modes of operation are. You want someone to give you what we sometimes call the inside scoop, right? The insider's take. One of the areas of life which I found uh, is important to get advice on and get the inside scoop on is gardening. There's a lot of things that I don't know about gardening, and there's a lot of things that I do wrong. And so I love to get advice on gardening. Um, We recently you know, moved into this house and we have big new gardens and we're not entirely sure what to do with them yet. And so we've asked for Holly's advice and we're asking for advice from all over the place because we're not quite sure what to do. And this reminds me of one year, my parents got it into their minds that they wanted to grow the biggest pumpkin and that they wanted to win first prize at our local agricultural fair for the biggest pumpkin. And so we called up our family friend, Graham, Graham has been a farmer his whole life, and he's an expert, you might say, at growing pumpkins. And so we said, Graham, how do you grow the biggest pumpkin? Well, Graham gave us the inside scoop. He said, the first thing that you need to do is cut all of the pumpkins off the vine, except for one, because you want all the nutrients that that vine is collecting to go to a single pumpkin. You don't want it to have to share between different pumpkins. And then he even gave us his special little potion, his special little concoction that he would spray on the leaves of the pumpkin vine so that bugs and stuff wouldn't destroy it. And so over the next few months, the pumpkin got bigger and bigger and bigger, and it got to well over 100 pounds, and we won first prize at the agricultural fair. Now, you might well be asking yourself the question, why is Colton telling us a story about a pumpkin? 
Well, as we come to these parables this morning, Jesus is, one, using the language of gardening. Right? He's talking about sowing seed, and he's talking about a mustard seed growing into a great plant. But second, I'm telling you this story because in these two parables, Jesus is giving his followers, he's giving his disciples the inside scoop. Jesus is telling his disciples what the kingdom of God is like. Right? As Jesus' ministry has been going on, he's, preach- he's been preaching a message which is inviting people into the kingdom of God. Right? And so now that people have begun to follow him, now that people have become interested in this kingdom of God thing, he's saying to his followers, well, let me tell you how this works. Let me give you the inside scoop on the kingdom of God. Let me expose to you and reveal to you some key truths about the kingdom of God. And so as we come to this text this morning, I want us to realize that Jesus is bringing us in on the inner workings of the kingdom of God. Jesus is helping us to know how the kingdom of God works. Jesus is letting us know how the kingdom of God is going to spread throughout the world. Jesus is giving us key information. He's making us privy to key information because he expects his followers to a certain degree to be operating in partnership with him. Right? Jesus um, has been doing the work of spreading the kingdom of God But now he's also inviting people to do that work with him. If we remember a few weeks back in Mark chapter 3, verses 13 to 19, Jesus calls his 12 disciples to himself, and then he sends them out to do the same sort of work that he's been doing, right? And so Jesus doesn't want to be the only person in the world who is, you know, pushing forward the kingdom and establishing the kingdom of God. He wants to involve other people in that work which is why he's giving us the inside scoop. It's why he's telling us uh, what he previously called the secret of the kingdom. Right? Remember in the parable of the sower, the disciples didn't quite know what Jesus was talking about, and so he said, I'm giving you the secret of the kingdom. I'm letting you in on the inner working of the kingdom. And so let's look at the first parable that Jesus tells. This is found in verses 26 to 29. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, he knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the earth, sorry, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And so in this parable, Jesus is emphasizing the fact that the growth of the kingdom of God in the world is a mysterious thing. We don't quite know how it happens, right? And so he tells this story about a farmer. And we need to go back uh, in time to think of a farmer in the first century. And all he knows is that if he sows seed, and if there's enough rain, and and if there's enough, enough sunshine, plants will grow from those seeds. Now, sometimes as modern people, we like to think, oh, well, you know, those farmers were ignorant. They, weren't, they didn't have the benefit of modern science. Now, we figured out a whole lot about plant growth, right? We've discovered all sorts of amazing things about biology. But we would be fooling ourselves if we were to say that there's still no mystery in the world, right? As scientists are doing their important work of discovering new truths about the physical world, not only do they find new truths, but they find increasing levels of complexity, 
right? They find new questions that need to be asked and they have to pursue new answers, right? And so Jesus is saying plant growth, the world is filled with little mysteries that we don't (coughs) quite know about. You know, one of my favorites is that I don't think modern scientists have quite figured out how bumblebees fly, right? It seems like a pretty simple thing, but they haven't quite figured that one out yet. And so Jesus is saying, just as the farmer, you know, diligently sows seed and then isn't quite sure how the kingdom grows, so too the kingdom of God grows in a mysterious way, right? We can go out through the world as followers of Jesus and spread the seed of the gospel. We can tell people about the kingdom. We can tell people about Jesus. And we're told in the previous uh, parable that sometimes that hits good soil and the kingdom grows within that person. Sometimes it hits hard soil. But it's still a remarkably mysterious thing. You know, even as a pastor, I can't peer into the depths of your heart. I never quite know how the Holy Spirit is working within your hearts. I know that it's my job to preach the word, and I know that it's my job to to counsel according to the scriptures. I know that it's my job to pray to you. But at the end of the day, I'm not 100% sure quite how that works out in your heart. Right? All I know is that the Holy Spirit is at work in there. All I know is that something is going on. And so as we look out at the world and as we look at something like the history of Christian missionary effort, we don't quite know why the kingdom of God has grown the way it's grown. For example, the gospel has taken deep root in the continent of Africa and it's growing like wildfire. But a country like Japan has never experienced the kind of explosive growth that we've seen elsewhere. And if you were to ask me the question why, I'm sure I could read sociology and all sorts of different sources. But at the end of the day, I would have to say I'm not really quite sure. (laughs) I don't really know what the answer is. All I know is that the Holy Spirit is up to something. That the kingdom of God is moving forward in a mysterious but unmistakable way. And so we might ask ourselves, what are the implications of this parable for our Christian lives? One of the implications is what I was just talking about. We're never quite sure how the kingdom of God is going to grow. Right? We can be diligent in our work, but we're never quite sure how it's going to manifest itself in the world. So we all gathered here today are at the very beginning of a new church plant. And I had no idea who would come. And I still have no idea who's going to come. I have no idea how the kingdom of God is going to move out into the city of Charlottetown. I hope for what you might call explosive growth. I hope for tons and tons of people to come to know the Lord. I hope that tons of people call this church their home. But I can't promise you that that's going to happen. (laughs) All I can say is that we can sow the seed, we can preach the word, we can share the good news that we've received for ourselves. But ultimately, the kingdom of God, the growth of the kingdom of God, is a mystery to us. Another implication that we can draw from this Um, parable is that human effort counts but it's not ultimate right you think of the sower who's sowing the seed and it's important that he actually sows that seed right It's, it's a key part of what is going on but we're also told that that's not ultimately um what makes the seed grow ultimately what makes the seed grow is combination of sun and light and then also just that mysterious principle of life which causes that seed to keep growing And so as we, as Christians, are doing the work of establishing the kingdom of God and moving the kingdom of God forward, we can be assured that our effort counts, right? God uses our efforts in 
the great um, project of moving the kingdom forward, but also it doesn't ultimately depend on us, right? Ultimately, God needs to do his work, and if God doesn't do his work, then nothing will grow. The kingdom won't be established. We also see in verse 29 of this parable that we're working toward an eternal harvest. Let's read 29 together. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. Now in this one verse, uh, Jesus is using imagery which can be found all throughout the Bible. In the Old Testament and in the New Testament, the Bible talks about a harvest which will come at the end of time, when God will gather in his people and fully establish them within his kingdom. Right, And so Jesus is pointing towards the end of time and saying that you know we're sowing seed and we're trying to grow the kingdom, but the day will eventually come when the harvest is brought in. And that harvest is not a harvest of vegetables or pumpkins. That harvest is a harvest of people. Right? God will gather in his people to himself and will establish his kingdom forever and ever. And so as Christians doing the work of spreading the kingdom, we know that we're working towards an eternal harvest. And what I find interesting is that we see these two ideas represented um, in our two Old Testament readings, right? Um, Ecclesiastes 11, uh, verse, verse 5 and 6. As you do not know the way of the Spirit comes to the bone... As you do not know the way the Spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning sow your seed, and at evening withhold your hand, withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. And in Ecclesiastes, the writer of Ecclesiastes is emphasizing the fact that there's deep mysteries at the heart of human life. Right? We don't always know how things quite are going to turn out. Right? And so we as Christians need to be satisfied doing our work, knowing that this whole thing of establishing the kingdom is kind of volatile. Right? Sometimes it does unexpected things. Sometimes it does seemingly nothing. But we need to keep up our work knowing that God is doing his work. And then we see in Psalm 26, this idea of bringing in the harvest at the very last verse. He who goes out with weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall bring home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. Right? It's that idea of going out into the world sad and depressed and then meeting God and coming back with a deep sense of joy and also with a great harvest with other people, with sheaves. Reminds me of that old gospel tune, you know, bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves. Right? It's a joyful thing that this harvest is coming. Now, Let's look at the second parable. This is in verse 30. And he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. And so Jesus is using a story about a little mustard seed, and he reminds us that the mustard seed is a, a teensy tiny little seed, right? It's the smallest of seeds, 
But when it falls into the ground, it grows into this massive plant, and it's so big that great flocks of birds can come and sit in its branches. And so the question is, what is Jesus trying to tell us with this story? And I think it's fair to say that Jesus is emphasizing the fact that the kingdom of God will start off small, but then it will grow bigger and bigger and bigger. Right As we read, read through the gospel account of Jesus, we'll see that his disciples were constantly frustrated by the fact that Jesus didn't come in with a big bang. Right? Jesus didn't come in guns a-blazing with great, you know, um, peals of thunder and, you know, displays of lightning. He came in quietly, right? He came in, as we know from our Christmas stories, he came in just as a little baby, right? And then he grew up in relative obscurity for 30 years and then quietly came in to the region of Galilee, right? He had very quiet, very small beginnings. And often his disciples were biting at the bit, wanting to fight, wanting to do something big. (laughs) And Jesus was constantly having to hold them back and say, no, we're going to start this thing small but I promise you it's going to become bigger than you could ever imagine. And sure enough, as the years have gone by, the Christian church has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. And so as we are living out our Christian lives and as we um, are doing the work of pushing the kingdom of God forward, I think it's important to understand that we don't have to come in with a bang, right? We don't have to come in guns a-blazing, we can start off small. And I'd suggest to you that that's what we're doing right here. <laughs> you know, we're not meeting in an amphitheater. We're not meeting in a football stadium. We're meeting in a simple home. But the seeds that we're sowing here, if God blesses them, will grow into something big, something valuable, something worthwhile. And so in the Christian faith, things often start off smaller than we think. Sometimes it's difficult to even detect that something has started. But sure enough, given time and given the grace of God, that thing will grow into something large and into something great. You know, there's a great verse from the book of the prophet Zechariah, which says, do not despise the day of small things. Right? And so that would be my encouragement to you. Do not despise the day of small things. Right? Don't despise small beginnings. Because the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. Right? It's seemingly nothing just to cast that seed by the wayside. But with a little bit of rain, a little bit of sunshine, you know, some people might think you've got a massive weed problem on your hands because the thing just jumps up. Right? And so Jesus is saying, be patient. You know? Don't despise small beginnings. Wait and just see how this thing is going to grow. Right? And so remember that Jesus is bringing us in on the secrets of the kingdom. Right? Jesus is bringing us in on the tricks of the trade. He's saying, you know, the wisdom of the world might say that this isn't how it should be done. But trust me, this is how it's done. I'm sharing with you uh, the knowledge that you'll need. And so as we look at these two parables, I just want us to take a step back and ask the question, what does this show us about the Lord Jesus Christ? What do these two parables tell us about the Lord Jesus Christ? Behind all of these parables is the profound idea that Jesus does not simply want you to serve him, but rather he wants to work with you in the world. Right? Jesus doesn't simply want you to be his servant. 
Jesus wants you to be his friend, and Jesus wants you to be his co-worker. Let's look at the words of the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 15 through 16. John 15, 15 through 16. These words were spoken on the night before Jesus died, and he's talking to his disciples in what is called the upper room, right? He's, he's letting them know what they need to know on the night before he dies. And he says these words, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Those are remarkable words, right? Jesus is saying, everything that my dad has told me, I'm telling you. I'm letting you in on the secrets. You're not servants, you know? I mean, you're servants in one sense, but you're also friends, right? I'm letting you in on the secrets. I'm telling you what's going on. And then Jesus also says, I have chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, right? Jesus is saying, I want to work alongside you. I want you to do the work that I'm doing and I'm sending you out into the world. And when you go out into the world, you'll produce fruit. It won't just be fruit, but it'll be fruit that abides. It'll be fruit that lasts, fruit that stays. Your work will be important and your work will be lasting. You know, I'm no great fan of football, but every once in a while I watch a football game. Usually it's the Super Bowl or something like that. And one of the things I've noticed over the years is that when uh, football coaches are trying to, you know, give their, their players a, you know, I'm going to show my ignorance here, but when they're trying to show them the, the, you know, the plan, when they're trying to let them know what moves they're going to make, they cover their mouth, right? With... You know, usually they have a clipboard in their hand and they cover their mouth so that the other side isn't watching the TV and seeing what sort of play that they're giving to the other team. And the thing is, Jesus isn't like that. Right? Jesus isn't hiding the playbook. Jesus isn't hiding the way that the game is going to go. He's letting us in on the secret. And anybody who wants to can pick up the playbook, they can pick up the Bible, and they can learn how the kingdom of God is going to move out and into the world, right? Jesus wants to bring us in on the secrets of the kingdom of God. And so as he's talking, we should do what we are told we should do with parables, and we should listen, right? We should listen to the secrets. We should listen to what Jesus is revealing to us and exposing to us. And so Jesus tells us two key things about these, uh, two key things about the kingdom uh, in these parables this morning. One, the growth of the kingdom is going to be mysterious, right? We're not going to be exactly sure on how it's going to grow or where it's going to go or who it's going to affect, but sure enough, it'll grow. And if you do your work, your work, um, God's going to be doing his work. You know, God doesn't do his work in response to ours. God is always doing his work. But if we do our work, we'll be entering in to the work which God has set aside for us. And the second thing that Jesus teaches us about the kingdom is that it has small beginnings, but then it grows into a great thing. And so behind all of this is a beautiful Savior, right, who wants to bring his friends in on his work and wants them to do what he's doing for their own joy 
and for the glory of God. And I just think that's lovely, right? It sets him apart from other leaders. It sets him apart from other teachers because he's so eager to bring them in. You know, one last story. I was talking uh, to a, a fellow minister the other day who's here on the island, and he was talking about his time at university. And he said his university was the kind of place where everybody else was trying to make everybody else feel less smart than they were. Right? They were talking down to them. And if they had knowledge, which made them more powerful, they kept it tight to themselves. Right? If they had a textbook, which they knew was going to be useful to other people, they kept it at their house so that that other person wouldn't get to know what they knew. And I just want to emphasize the fact that Jesus isn't like that. Right? Jesus has given us the playbook. Jesus wants to bring us in on the secret of the kingdom so that we can join him in producing that fruit, that fruit which will abide, so that we can join him in pushing the kingdom of God forward. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, even as we sit here this morning, your kingdom, uh, your kingdom is moving out and into the world. Jesus, as we sit here this morning, your word is being preached all throughout the world. All throughout the world, Lord Jesus, your people are being fruitful. What a lovely thing it is to know that, Lord. Lord Jesus, we pray that when we come to your word that we would truly listen. And that the messages which you share with us would sink deep into our hearts. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would realize this morning that you have called us to be servants, yes, but you've also called us to be friends. You've called us to be the children of God. You've led us in on the secret of the kingdom. You've told us how things are going to go. And so I pray that we would take this wisdom and that we would incorporate it into our thinking and that we would go out into the world to serve you with faithfulness. We pray these things in your name. Amen.